Hi there, my name is Josh and welcome to my podcast. I believe that anything worth doing is worth doing God's way. And on this podcast, we'll explore how simply and practically we can apply God's ways to our everyday life. So I got married back in 2018 to my lovely wife. But before that, about a year or so, um, about a year or so before my wedding actually came, um, I was blessed with an amazing retainer job, which used to pay me every month. And that was a really, really good job and a really good opportunity for me because it was very lucrative, first of all. It gave me my highest retainer up to that point. And it was a very comfortable place to be at because now everything else that you earn is almost like a bonus. This particular contract, this particular retainer, allowed me to sort out all my bills and everything seemed to be okay. I was very comfortable with it and the job was also a very good job. It was really good for my portfolio because it was a, a very good uh, client. Now, when my wedding came up in August of 2018, I still had that contract. And I was very comfortable and very confident and my wife now came into my space because I knew that at least our bills are sorted, she'd never have to worry about those things. But now fast forward to our honeymoon and we had a week off right after the wedding. And it so happened that the date which the retainer was going to pay off was falling somewhere in between our honeymoon. So I got my payment somewhere in the midst of uh, the honeymoon period. But after I came back home, I'm expecting to continue with the work that I've been doing. But the client went quiet. A couple of days, a week, two weeks, I was wondering what's happening. Because I knew if we don't do work that month, she's not going to pay me that month. But she had been so quiet for a long period of time till I wondered, what's wrong? And she completely went quiet and I was worried. I was really worried because, I mean, this, this, this used to sound my bills very comfortably, but now... <laughs> I mean, I have brought somebody into my space with the expectation that at least this is this part is sorted. Not that we are doing badly financially, but I was comfortable. At least I don't have to worry about those things. So I eventually confirmed it is when I went on the, the company's Instagram profile and I saw that indeed I was replaced. The work was still proceeding in spite of the fact that I was not the one doing the work. And so it was confirmed that you know what, I, I no longer have the job. I went ahead and even texted and told her, Noah, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure working with you. It's been great. And she never replied to it. I didn't know why, but I didn't know why till today why that happened, but it just happened. But now I was left in an awkward place. I mean, I've just gotten married. What's happening here? I want to go in and say, Lord, I mean, you gave me this job miraculously. And I'm the provider. You gave me the responsibility to provide for my home. But then all of a sudden, this, 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 this has been taken away. It's like the safety net was drawn back. When you're in business, business is a walk of faith because there are different seasons in business. But when you have something that at least helps you on a constant, it allows you to go through those different seasons without feeling it so much. And that's what this particular retainer helped me to do. And I was wondering, God, why didn't you just take this away? At least before the wedding, at least months before the wedding, that way I can plan. I don't need Jipangipuan. I mean, so that I can at least get into another system. Why did God? I, was, I had so many questions for God, by the way. I remember one particular friend giving a story that when he got married, uh, he got a promotion at his workplace immediately after he came back. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, yes, like, you know, favor from God. <laughs> 
But it's like my heart has not been tested. Do you still believe that this is a good thing, by the way? Do you still believe that this 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 thing is still good? Because it is. The Bible says life is a good thing, but things don't look good here. And the answer was yes, and still is yes till today. Because the Bible says it's so. The Bible says it is, so it has to be. Whether the signs and symptoms don't look like it, the Bible says what it says. So of course, we couldn't conclude what would Abraham do without discussing what happened to him and Isaac. Now in Genesis 22, up to this point, before Genesis 22, Abraham had been waiting for a child for a very long time. He was old, he was old his wife was old, and miraculously, he got his firstborn son. Miraculously. In his old age. And now in Genesis 22, God tells him that I want you to take your son, your only son, go up to the mountain which I'll show you, and sacrifice your son. The Bible says that Abraham got up early in the morning and went with the son. Took his donkey, took his servant, took some wood and the knife, and went ahead with his son. So as he continued to walk, the Bible tells us that God showed him the place where he was supposed to uh, sacrifice his son. God showed him the place where he was supposed to sacrifice his son and told the servant, see, wait here. Um, me and the lad are going to go up um, to sacrifice unto the Lord and then they will come back down. But as they were going, Isaac was like, okay, so uh, dad, um, we have wood. I can see that. We have the knife, but where is the, where is the ram? What are we going to sacrifice exactly? He said, everyone was like, no, I God himself is going to provide. And so they went ahead, went up to the mountain, and he laid the wood. He, he prepared an altar, laid the wood, and placed his son there. Let's see what verse 10 says. Genesis 22, verse 10 to 12. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, don't lay your hand on that lad or do, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now, what's interesting about this story is that the Bible tells us that he was going to slay his son, but God stopped him. Yet God said, you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. How? He, how did he not withhold him? Yet, he hadn't sacrificed him yet. Like, the son was still alive. So, how has he, like, what has he exactly done that showed God that he fears him? Why didn't God just allow him to kill the son, give him another son, because he's done it before? And then, he would have been proved, because now the scripture tells us that now he knows that the scripture tells us that God said, now I know that you fear me. Why didn't he, allow, why didn't he just allow him to finish what he had started that it could be proved that indeed he fears God. Why didn't God just allow him to finish it? Clearly we see there was something that God was actually looking for. God wasn't so much looking at the action that he was doing as much as he was seeing his intent. You see, this is Abraham's only son. So much emotional investment went into this particular son. Praying, believing, hoping, that even as he continues to grow old, he will still believe in that what God said to him decades ago will still come to pass. There was a lot of emotional investment that went into this child. You can imagine 
the joy in his heart when he held his son for the very first time. When he held that promised son for the very first time, this son must have been so precious to him that for him to go ahead and hear God tell him, put him on the altar and sacrifice him to him. I wonder how Abraham didn't see see God as a wicked God. I wonder how Abraham actually must adopt the courage to wake up early in the morning and take his son up to the altar. How? How did he master up that courage to sacrifice what he had been waiting for for such a long time? And you see, that really applies to many of us today. That applied to me when I was going through that situation because I had been in that retainer. And I know it's not to the same degree as this, but I had been in that retainer for a very long time. And everything was smooth. Everything was okay. I believe God for a contract. I'd, I'd, I'd really hoped for my finances to become better and better. And having this retainer was a real boost onto my finances. And I was so happy when I got it. It was really a miracle how I got it. And having that safety net withdrawn, it made me really wonder, God, why bring me into marriage and then take away this financial security? Why wouldn't you have taken it away from me before I got married? That I would have figured out what to do. But now I have no safety net. Now I've brought somebody into my space and I'm the provider. I need to figure out how to ensure that everything is still running smoothly. And it's a hard place to be when doors close to you. When what you had prayed for, what you anticipated for a long time, either doesn't happen or it comes and it goes. It's a very hard place to be. When you've dated somebody for a very long time, you're engaged to be married, you're looking forward to the marriage, and then, and then somehow, for some reason, the relationship just breaks. And all of the dreams, all of the plans, all of the investment that you made into that relationship is suddenly taken away. You have so many questions for God. You ask him, Lord, why allow me to go through all this just to leave me hurting? You have a lot of questions for God. When you believed him for a job, your dream job, you get into that job, you get promoted in that job, and everything seems to be going so well. And all of a sudden, the company crashes and you're left out in the cold. What happens when doors close? Why? Why wouldn't you have just not given me the job in the first place? Why wouldn't you have just stopped me from getting into the relationship in the first place? And in Abraham's case, why would you have given me the child in the first place? You'd have asked for him back again. Why ask me to kill my son? Why not you just take him away? You see, truth bearers, God's interest is your heart. God's greatest investment will be in your heart. What happened with Abraham is that God was not looking to take away the son. That wasn't the intention of the story. God was proving Abraham's heart. He wanted to see that truly, even after I've given you this thing, is your love for me tied to this thing? Do you love me for who I am? Or do you love me for what I can do for you? And it's a great challenge for us today. It really is. We will hope and pray and believe God for very many things. We'll go and tell our friends, man, I've seen God. I've seen God because he's done this thing for me. He's given me these things, given me this car, he's given me this wife, he's given me these things. And it's true. Because it's the, God receives all the glory for what he's done in your life. But all of those things are taken away. What do you hold on to? Where is your heart anchored on? Is your heart anchored on 
what God has given you, or is your heart anchored? Or is your heart anchored on who He is? Because you see, God gives life to the things. It's not the things that give life to God. As the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. It's not the riches that make a man blessed. It's the blessing that makes a person rich. But you see, often we turn things around. We see that because God has done this, then he is God. Because God has given us this, then he is provider. Because he is healed, then he is healer. Because he because he's provided, then he's provider. But God is provider before the provision. He is healer before the healing. He's a job giver before the job. That's who he is. And even when situations and circumstances don't look like what you want them to look, it does not change who he is. And it's so important for us to ensure that we keep our heart on who he is and not just what he does. Because when situations change and circumstances happen, if our heart is anchored to the things, thinking that it is anchored to God, then our heart for God will go with the things. It's a very dangerous thing for your heart to be anchored on things that are fleeting, on things that move, on things that shake. Your heart needs to be anchored on something that is solid because situations change. That's what we're always told. The only constant thing on this earth is change. When a door closes on your face, your anchor ought to be in the God who is the provider. Because he is provider, he will provide. Not just because he has provided, but because he is. That is who he is. If he is who he says he is, then our confidence is in him. It means that in any situation, whether I'm in business, whether I'm in employment, he still remains provider. And we really have to get to a place where our hearts are surrendered to him, where we're okay with not having what we want to have, where we want, where we, 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 we can desire and believe God for the job, but be okay, be okay. Like, be, let your heart be okay even if you don't get it. Like tell God, you know what? Even if you don't give me this job, my heart's not going to change towards you. Even if this relationship doesn't work out, it's okay. It won't change my thought for you. And it's a hard place to be at. But that's what God was asking for when he asked Abraham for his son. You see, Abraham didn't place his son on the altar. Abraham put his heart on the altar. And that's what you're supposed to do. All the things that we tie to God, that we, we, we tie as a testimony to God, be willing to lay it on the altar. Let your heart be constantly fixed on the fact that this thing could go away. And if it does go away, I'm going to be okay with it. I remember Kenneth Copeland saying something that he said that if anything that has been added to me, I cannot willingly give as a sacrifice. I cannot willingly give it back to God. And that thing is holding my heart. So this week, I want you to look around your life. What are those things that if they were to be taken away from you, anything outside of the spiritual, anything that is physical in nature, that you would attest to be a testimony in your life, be it, uh, be it your job, be it your business, be it your, uh, your relationship, whatever you may call it. If you're at a place 
where you cannot imagine living without those things, that thing has your heart. You need to lay it on the altar and tell God, this thing, I surrender it to you. And if at a place you're believing God for something, let your heart be content with not having that thing. I don't mean that you should doubt that you won't get it. I want you to be at a state of heart where even if you don't get it, you're okay. You still believe in, in who he says he is. And it's funny, before my wife and I even dated, I was deep in the friend zone. Deep, my friends, deep in the, in the deepest, darkest pits of the friend zone. <laughs> where no water is. It was, there was, it got to a place where I just didn't see any hope. <laughs> I mean, I had feelings for her, you know, but, and it just had a good vibe going, but I, I didn't, it, it clearly looked like this thing was not going to happen. Even to an extent where she actually, in the midst of our friendship, she actually dated somebody. And I was okay. And I got to a place where I was like, you know what? Even if you're just friends, honestly, I'm, going, I'm okay with it. Like as much as I do really have feelings for her, I'm okay even if it doesn't work out. I'm okay if we never ever actually date. Honestly, and, and, and honest, and this I told God, I said, God, I'm very content with us just being friends. Even if she asked me to be in the wedding lineup, well and good, I'll be there. And yeah, I ended up being in her wedding lineup. So go out this week and be content. Be okay with not having what you want. That's placing that thing on the altar. Look around you and see what holds your heart and put it on the altar. Because anything that holds your heart is a door that the enemy can use to take your heart from God. Anything, anything that is physical, anything that can move or change, if that thing holds your heart, it's a door that the enemy can use to change your heart from God. My bishop, Bishop David Oyedepo, many years ago, his wife was challenged with a really, really a bad disease. And this disease was not known. They didn't know what it was. They did all manner of tests. And you can read the story from um, his wife's book. It's called Rescued from Destruction uh, by Mrs. Faith Depot. She gives the account of everything that happened. And she was sick for about a year. She was sick. So sick to a point she couldn't come for services. So sick to a point that she couldn't walk. She wouldn't be around. And it was evident that things were not okay. I didn't like what my bishop told God. Some years back when my wife was, my wife's head was attacked, I said to God, that to heal her is not what makes you go. Whether you heal her or not, you are still my God. I'm not loving him for the things he does. I'm loving him for who he is. What he does and he does not do is irrelevant. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm so grateful that you're able to stick with me all the way to the very end. If this touched you in any way, please feel free to share it with a friend. If you'd like to contribute to making this channel even better than it is right now, you'll be able to spread the word to as many people as it can possibly reach. Please check the link that is in the description to find different ways in which you can contribute to this particular channel. Thank you so much as you do so. I'm so grateful for your time. Have a fantastic week ahead. God bless.